Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St. Albans and from further afield. Now it's harvest time, whether you're a farmer, an allotment grower or just grow a few veg in your garden. But what happens after that? The summer crops cleared away, leaving tidy but vulnerable bare ground until the spring. Well, hopefully not. Cover crops, as farmers know them, know them, or green manures, as they're more commonly called by the rest of us, are widely known as a good thing. But Waitrose-sponsored Rothamsted PhD student Mandy Stoker is looking into whether they could be even better than we first thought. I spoke to Mandy. So, Mandy, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So, perhaps to start off with, could you explain exactly what a cover crop is? Uh, yeah, um, a cover crop is a crop that's typically used um, on by agriculture um, between two main cash crops. So, if you're growing wheat and um, oilseed rape one year to the next, then once you've harvested the crop, you put down a cover crop which keeps... Um, stabilises the soil, really, and allows the soil not to be left open to the elements over winter. So that's uh, effectively what it is. Right. And what do you do with the crop when, you know, when it comes to sowing the next crop? Um, usually it, it, it's put in, it's sown in and grows over winter. And the, depending on what crop you put in, some crops, um, such as double turnips, um, can be grazed over winter. So people, typically you'll probably see people with um, farms uh, with sheep um, grazing stubble turnips. Um, otherwise, um, it will be burnt off um, using Roundup and then it gets put back into the ground right, okay, before so they put the next um, cereal in. Okay, so, so that's basically a weed killer which just kills the crop off, but it, is, it, yeah. but it basically yeah, just yeah. just that's stays right. there in, in its dead form. So presumably any yeah. nutrients that it's accumulated, they all stay there as well. That's right, exactly. Right, yeah. okay. So you, you gave the example of turnips there that might be used as a, as yeah. a, a cover crop. What, what other things might you use? Well, it's actually, it, it is quite a dark art because cover crops have dof- different um, benefits to soil. So um, we have typically things like um, radish, um, which is a good crop for um, grazing. Um, you can have plants like phacelia, which is, comes up and has a lovely purple flower, and that's fantastic for pollinators to encourage bees and insects. Um, and then other plants, you can have uh, black oats, um, grasses. Some of them have got long, very long roots, so they can break the soil up and re- reduce the effects of compaction of the soil. Right. So there's a whole host of plants, and really, the, ideally, you want to have two or three different types of species in, in at the same time, rather than just a monoculture, because that adds sort of most benefits, really. Okay, so, so different, different cover crops give different benefits. As you say, lots yeah. of things together can give you lots of benefits. So you, you've sp- spoken about uh, preventing soil erosion and um, perhaps adding to the nutrients in the soil, but you're looking into um, another possible benefit of, of cover crops. Can you tell us about that? 
Yes, well, I'm specifically um, interested in the way that we can use soil as a very important carbon sink. And I wanted to find out how we can get the carbon from the atmosphere and keep it held in the soil as, as a carbon, as a natural carbon sink, um, which is one of the things that we need to improve uh, climate change effects. And um, one of the, there's a couple of ways that you can get carbon into the soil from the cover crop or any vegetation. One, one is by um, plowing it, the, the plants back into the soil. So you're adding a, effectively a green manure. Yeah. Or in another way, you um, allow the uh, crop to grow. And um, within the soil, there's bacteria and fungus. And one particular fungus type is called mycelia. Uh, sorry, mycorrhiza, and that will affect, infect the roots of plants, and it will take, it will have a symbiotic relationship with um, the plant in that it will use the plant to feed itself using the sugars that it's made, and in return, it grows a, a massive network of, of a, a sort of extending the root system of the plants and gives the plants extra. Uh, coverage so it can get more nutrients and water into the plants. So, so they have a good relationship. I was going to say, it's a mutually beneficial relationship, isn't it? It is, definitely. But one of the, one of the great things is, is that the um, mycorrhiza, in doing this, one of the um, uh, byproducts is an enzyme uh, that it produces called glomalin. And it is thought that this is the thing that will actually... Um, uh, stabilise the carbon into the soil. All right, so this it's is so like a sticky substance, and it's thought to help stick um, the carbon t- within the soil structure. Right. So this is actually quite a quite a quite a complex um, process, then, isn't it? It's not just as simple as um, the cover crop, um, you know, grows. It's got carbon in it, and it sort of gets incorporated in the soil. There's a lot more to it than that. So how are you going to measure um, whether the cover crop has um, fixed some carbon, has, in, has incorporated more carbon in the soil? Well, that's, that's a really um, interesting question. Um, what I'm looking at at the moment, I'm measuring all sorts of different things. First of all, I'm looking at the usual um, things that you would test for, such as the, um, the pH, whether it's acidic or alkaline. And I'm also looking at the total quantity of the carbon that is in the soil year on year. So the experiment is going on for three, four years. And every year, I'm going to come back and look to see if there's been an increase in the total carbon. And I'm also checking, I'm measuring the microbial biomass. That's the biomass uh, that's there um, as a result of the bacteria and fungus community in the soil. And I'm hoping that that will increase because the healthier that is, the better the carbon is in the soil, in theory. So that's what I'm looking to to test, whether there is a relationship between the amount of microbial um, activity in the soil and uh, the amount of carbon that is is remaining in the soil. Right, okay. So that that sounds like quite a long-term thing. How far have you got in the process of uh, of, of getting in results here? When, when will you know whether um, actually there, there is likely to be uh, uh, an increase in soil carbon as a result of the cover crops? 
Um, well, I'm halfway through it at the moment, um, and it's quite a long, slow process. So I've had my first year's set of results, um, which I'm, I'm just looking at at the moment. But there are some very interesting traits, um, depending on what is growing and under what conditions they're growing in. Um, there are definite uh, differences between different treatments. So, for example, if um, it seems that it makes a difference if um, the ground has been treated with um, um, a herbicide beforehand. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad um, uh, conclusion. It may be a good conclusion, you know, but it's definitely there are trends that show that um, if, it's, if it's had um, uh, glyphosate-treated soil or if it has been um, inoculated with a mycorrhiza preparation that you can buy commercially, yeah. that has a slight difference. So there are, it is showing some early signs of differences. What I can't tell is which one is the most beneficial situation. Right, okay, which is, which is presumably why you're continuing with your research. Hopefully this could be really useful for farmers, couldn't it? Farmers like on the farm that you live on. Yeah, I think the overall benefits are that it fits in with the requirements of the Paris Agreement, which is one of the targets is to um, increase the amount of carbon in soil by 0.4% per annum. And if we are going to expect our farmers to go down that route and contribute to that target, then they will be looking for ways to do that and hopefully, you never know, they may well be rewarded for that, um, for, for preparing, um, for helping us to pr- produce a carbon sink yes. on behalf of everybody. Right. So um, hopefully it'll be useful to someone. Yeah, sounds fantastic. So, so actually, even for gardeners at home, people with allotments, um, do you think we should be making more use of cover crops, green manure, um, hopefully to have a benefit for, for soil carbon more generally? Yes, I think um, it, it is a really good um, method to use to um, uh, greet, to improve your soil s- structure. In fact, actually, lots and lots of um, research and surveys have been carried out on allotments, and, and generally speaking, allotment keepers are much uh, kinder to their soil than uh, than they are in agriculture, where farming is pretty intensive. Um, so, green manures is very they're generally referred to when it comes to allotments or organic farmers refer to green manures um, are regularly used. And it's just a good thing to do to keep the soil um, structure um, intact and, um, and, and also to keep it in place so it's not um, washed away onto somebody else's uh, allotment plot. Somebody else um, gets the benefits of your lovely topsoil. Definitely exactly, not what you want, is it? Exactly, yeah. M- Mandy, yeah. it sounds like fantastic research that you're doing that hopefully will start making farmers be able to make real um, informed decisions about how they can help um, climate change. And uh, yeah, we, we look forward to, to hearing the results. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you.
And I was talking there to to Mandy Stoker, and uh, she, as I said earlier, is a Waitrose-sponsored PhD student at Rothamsted. Sounds like some fascinating research there, which would be very helpful for heart farmers. But, of course, while stubble turnips might not be the home growers' green manure of choice, and we might not be aware of the gamelin levels in our soil, green manures still have all the benefits for small-scale growers, and it's something we can all do to boost soil carbon, and it's just another way to help um, curb climate change. So I spoke to Chris Thorne at Aylet Nurseries to find out a bit more about how things might be applicable to us on allotments or in our gardens. Chris, thank you ever so much for joining me. So are you a fan of green manures? Do you use them? Yes, indeed, Manda. Actually, coincidentally, just this uh, very last evening, I was uh, sowing some clover. Right. Great to hear. And, and what do you hope will be the advantage of that? Uh, well, I've done it. Uh, clover's very good at storing nitrogen in its roots. Uh, so what that will do is, uh, when I dig it over, um, it will uh, provide nitrogen for leaf crops like lettuce or cabbage. Um, so I plan to uh, use that as a natural source of, uh, of food. Right. Okay, so it saves using, saves using any fertiliser and presumably is adding a bit of bulk to the soil as well. So sounds like a good plan. Um, but what will you do with the crop when it comes to the spring and you're wanting to, um, to sow more things? What do you do with the green manure then? Well, if you've got two choices, you can either um, dig it in, but if you're a fan of no dig, then you can actually just take the, take the nitrogen, take the crop off, cut it and uh, go and compost it. So that you're just like with a pair of shears, just shear it off and rake it? Is, is that what you mean? Ab- absolutely, just as near the ground as you can. And then you can still plant uh, in amongst that if you want to, you know, just your lettuces or your cabbages. Yep. Um, just put that amongst it. Okay, you're making it sound um, fantastically easy then. Um, so what's your favourite green manure crops? What would you suggest? Um, well, I quite like clover, as I say, for the nitrogen fixing. There's, yep. there's sort of natural nodules on the on the roots of the clover plant that uh, fix nitrogen in the soil. Um, the other one's mustard, uh, just because it's quick. Right, okay. So the, the tip there is always to, if you grow these crops, don't let them flower because when a plant flowers, it gets, uh, it goes woody and stronger, and then it doesn't rot down so quickly. The idea of the green manure is to bank the nutrients that are going to be otherwise leached out by winter rains, and you want to um, dig them in before they get uh, woody yeah. and before they flower. So... Uh, then uh, then you get the the full benefit of the nutrients getting back into the soil quickly right. if the plant rots more quickly. Okay, so from what you're saying, if you were sowing your clover last night, presumably now is a good time for sowing our green manures. Absolutely. Well, we've got these spare plots of land coming along. You know, mine had uh, broad beans on it uh, and potatoes, and uh, you know that land's now vacant. Yep, and um, I suppose... I, I, I could have found another crop for it, but I've... I've uh, decided to, to let it rest and uh, put some green manure down. Fantastic, great. Now, down at Aylets, are you selling the kind of seeds that we, we could be using for green manures? Absolutely. There's, there's um, something for everybody. <laughs> the mustard is the quick one that, you know, is the most popular seller. Um, we've got clover. If you actually ever want to let it flower um, long term, then that's good. You know, the bees love that. Yes. Um, we've got something like buckwheat, which is very good at uh, breaking up a rotavator pan. You know, if you use, constantly use a rotavator, it smears the ground underground and, and ruins the drainage through the soil. And put buckwheat in over winter uh, and winter tears as well as another one. Uh, and that will break up the rotavator pan for you. OK, and presumably anybody coming down to Aylet's, um, they can ask advice if they're a bit, a bit unsure. 
Absolutely, but there is a there's a stand full of these things. There's full of these choice of seeds. There must be wonderful um, half a dozen eight there, and uh, with a, um, advice on on the stand. That's brilliant, Chris. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. Nice to speak to you, Amanda. Well, there we go. Um, Plenty to be doing then at the weekend, getting those green manures into the ground. Um, And the green manure seeds, they are available from other um, garden centres. I've noticed they were down at Carpenters in Sandridge as well. Now, if you are around this weekend, don't forget it's the second St. Tolbans Vegan Fair down at Westminster Lodge Leisure Centre. That's on Sunday, uh, 26th of August, and that's between 10 and 4. And you can find out more about that on Facebook, um, St. Tolbans Vegan Fair. Admission is three pounds um do follow me on twitter at vrv underscore environment we're there on facebook as well i'm going to be back at the same time next week until then you have a great weekend and thank you for listening environment matters sponsored by wuka period pants the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution <laughs>